Welcome to episode 36 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, I don't know about you, Nathan, but these past few weeks have not only been the start of baseball season, but for us, it has also been audit season. <laughs> Something that non- our nonprofit, anyway, goes through every, every spring. You know what? It, it's just, it's exciting. Uh, I, I could not wait for this time of year. And it's something that I just, you know, I just, I'm totally stacked for it. Um, it's baseball season that I'm actually talking about there, Tim. That's but, what I was, <laughs> was going to say. I think you're lying, but that's all right. Uh, well, you know, I, it is audit season and, you know, it's, uh, it is an important thing that we need to talk about. Well, and I know that talking about audit on our podcast is probably not the most exciting topic, as you as you mentioned, but um, every director should know something about it and about what it is, who does it, how much does it cost, and how often does it need to be done? And we want to explore that a little bit today and give you some, some basics. Now, I need to make a disclaimer before we start our discussion. Nathan and I have a lot of experience in the nonprofit world, but we are not legal or certified financial experts. We're going to share from our experience, but anything we say, you need to check everything out with your local CPA, which is your certified public accountant or or a legal expert or a financial expert. But listen to us. If it's helpful, do it, but make sure you check it out before you do it. Is that is that it, Nathan? Anything else I need to put in there? Oh, I think we got it. You know, this is not financial advice. And uh, all you would have to do is actually look at my own personal checkbook, and you would know that I am not a CPA, nor am I a financial expert in any way, shape, or form. With that said, it is <laughs> audits are an important part of leading an organization. Oftentimes, you have to do it, and we'll tell you about when that happens. But it is important to to have an understanding of why and what uh, an audit is. So let's start, Nathan. First of all, by by just talking quickly, what what is an audit? Well, sure. And an audit is an examination of the financial records, accounts, business transactions, accounting practices, and internal controls of a charitable nonprofit by an independent auditor. And by independent, that means that the auditor or CPA is not an employee of the nonprofit, but it instead is retained through a contract for services. And that's what makes him independent. So you can't have your own accounting person do an audit. It has to be somebody totally, you can't have a board member do it either. It has to be somebody totally outside of the organization. And it has to be, well, I, I've always only known an audit as a contractual. It's it's contracted. I don't I don't know if you do an audit for free, a formal audit. I think it has to be contracted. But anyway, it has to be external. Right, and it's something you need to check into. And there's some key things there. You know, it's 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 examining the financial records and all your accounts, um, and making sure that actually what you say about your organization and that these records are. They are actually accurate. Um, And I think another piece there that I have really appreciated over the times we've done audits is that they also look at the internal controls. So how does how does money work in your organization? Who touches it? Who records it? 
who sends out thank yous, all those kind of things. And are you, are you doing it in such a way that there is good accountability, that you're minimizing fraud, all those kind of things. So an audit is very helpful in that as well. So, so let me just start, Nathan. Um, I'm going to talk about three kinds of financial assessments because you may just be starting. You may, um, you know, not have a lot of money through money running through your organization, but it's important that you periodically assess where you are financially. So there, there are three levels. Let me just real quickly go. There's what we call a compilation. Um, and that's basic, a basic summary of your organization's finances. It's, again, written by a CPA. Um, it uses the data that you provide from your organization. So you give this information to your, to your CPA, looks at it, writes out a report, and says, this is what, what I see, this is what's been given to me, and it's something that you can share with others or it helps you internally. But it's not, there's no assurance. The, the CPA isn't saying, I am pretty sure this is right. They're saying, I'm just, I'm putting this report together by the information that was given to me. And it's it's basically used in a kind of just a straightforward, uncomplicated situations. Like we just want to know where we are are we on the right track? So that's a compilation. The second part, a second assessment is a review, which basically is a limited examination, again, performed by a CPA. Um, and it's basically reporting on the plausibility of your financial statements. Is this, does this make sense? Is it, is it plausible that these are the correct figures? Do a little bit of reviewing of them. Again, there's limited assurance. There's there's more than a compilation, but there, but the assurance is limited. It looks pretty it looks pretty good from what I can tell as I've gone through this. Um, and it's it's not um, it's a good thing to have when you're not legally required to have an audit, but you still want some kind of analysis of your financial records. Um, and and by having a review, it oftentimes saves you time and money. Now I've I've been in a place where um, we weren't required to do a full blown audit. I was with an organization where we weren't required to do a full full blown audit, but because of people that were supporting us and some other circumstances, we decided that we wanted every three years we wanted to have an audit, but in between time we would do a review. So it was it would be less time, less money. But it still would give some assurance that uh, we were we were moving forward in a correct way. So you you may not need an audit, but a review is a good thing to be able to have. Yeah, you know, Tim, in in fundraising, if you are uh, looking for smaller gifts, like in a direct mail situation, or you know, if your organization and, and a, maybe a two hundred and fifty dollar gift is a big gift for you, smaller gifts like that are mostly driven predominantly driven through the heart, through a, a connection to the organization, a connection to the leadership, uh, a connection to the vision and mission of the organization. So they're emotional, larger gifts, whatever larger gift for you. So if you're an organization where $250 gift is a, is a normal everyday gift, in order to get a $2,000 gift, one of the things that you have to do for that donor, for that $2,000 donor, is you lead with the heart 
so it's still about the vision and mission. It's still about the connection to what you do as an organization, the connection to leadership, but it's got to go from the heart to the head and then back to the heart. And so by that, it means the donor, there are some things that the donor has to have checked off, you know, boxes that the donor wants to check. And one of those boxes that you check is for the donor to write that $2,000 check when your normal gift is 250. It is, is this organization, you know, is it going to be around? Is it, is it, are they spending their money the correct way? Is it financially stable? And it, you don't have to go into detail. You don't have to, you know, whip out your review and say, here's all the things you just, you just have to say, you know, while we're not, we're not big enough for a full-blown audit, we do have our finances reviewed every year and this is who does it. And we're just, you know, we're really proud of, of that, that, that we have that. And then, you know, you move on. And I think every major gift ask donor cultivation that I've ever done, the, though that checkbox has been checked, I've referenced you know, our audit is clean. Our review is clean. Our compilation is, is, uh, is clean. And so it does come up. And so I just, for your donors to be able to say, yes, this is an organization I trust. This is one of the boxes you have to check. Being able to, to put something in someone's hands and say, Hey, here it is, is very, is very helpful. Yeah. So, so if, if you're a 50, if you're a $50,000 organization and you don't think an audit is for you, you may want to rethink that. We've talked about a compilation. We've talked about a review. Then the last one is an audit. And this is a thorough examination of your finances. It's a deep dive. It's performed by an audit firm, not just a CPA, but by an audit firm that you bring in. Um, It determines if the information is correct and it actually reflects your financial position at a given time. So whatever your financial year is on the last day of that financial year, this is the position you're in. These records are correct. This is where you are. And it's a systematic approach. So there's testing and examination. There's sending out, uh, you know, to donors to confirm, did you send, you know, a certain group of donors, did you send money, this amount of money to the organization, looking at the different uh, expenses? Are there receipts there? Can you can you um, be clear that this actually, this money actually went for that for that receipt. Um, and it looks also at internal controls. Who's handling the money? How does money move through your organization? How's reporting done? And where's the management involved in that as well? Uh, and it provides provides the highest level of assurance. Now, nothing's perfect. <laughs> we've seen that with, you know, through our history, we've seen companies and organizations, you know, skirt around things. But but to the best of the ability, this is the highest level of assurance that um, the, the information is, is accurate and correct. Uh, as a nonprofit, it, certain states require when you reach certain revenue levels. So at some point, you may be required to actually have an annual audit. So that's a little bit of compilation, review, and audit you need to find out. If you're not required to do an audit, which one of these is best for you as you continue to develop as an organization move forward? So let's dive in a little bit more. Nathan, why don't you talk about, you know, does an organization have to do an audit? Yeah, Tim, uh, does an organization have to do an audit? Well, not maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. 
So um, there's four things here. So one, not always, you know, as Tim just walked through the, the compilation, the review and the audit. Um, so especially the smaller you are in overall budget, the less common it is to do a full blown, full audit. So, and again, we're not financial advisors. We're not accountants. This is kind of a, my experience, Tim's experience that, that we've seen from the organizations we've worked with and other organizations that we've talked to. But, you know, usually if you're under, you know, 200 ish, somewhere in that range, you know, a full blown audit may or may not make sense. But for sure, the smaller your budget is, the less common a, a full audit is. Uh, number two, if you receive federal or state funding or some foundation funding, you may be mandated to conduct an audit in order to receive the funds. Um, and that is always spelled out in the agreement, in the funding agreement before you receive the funds initially. It'll be in, in that agreement that they send you. So you'll know upfront whether you have to do that or not. That would be a thing if you're on your fundraising side, if you are going after you know, federal or state funding, or if you're active in the grant funding or going to start being active in there, that is one of the things that you really should be looking at ahead of time to make sure if there is an audit, a full-blown audit requirement to receive the funding, because that will definitely change your expense structure uh, going forward. So that's something you need to know before you accept the gift, not after. Um, Number three, um, sometimes the uh, your bank may require one. So if you are looking to get a loan, if you're looking to buy a new building, or if you need equipment and you're looking to, to loan and, and pay that back over time through fundraising, which is very common. I mean, a lot of organizations do that, uh, but it's not uncommon for the bank to then, as part of that loan process, to ask for some level, maybe not a full audit, but they'll ask for some type of a financial review. Uh, and then the last one is, is, and Tim talked about this earlier, your state may require specific uh, requirements for financial review. So I know T Tim and I are based here in Illinois. And in Illinois, a certified audit is required when a nonprofit exceeds 300000 in funding or if the organization uses a professional fundraiser that raises in excess of 25000 So that's Illinois. Um, and But every state's different. And some states don't have any requirement at all. So to figure that out, you just Google your state and then audit uh, requirements for nonprofits and it'll, it'll pop up and you'll be able to, to see what what's happening in your own particular state. You know, Nathan, that's really important too. Let's say, you know, we're all in different places, but if you, if you raise funds outside of your state, so you, let's say you're based in Illinois, but you raise funds in Iowa or you raise, you have donors in Indiana um, to solicit funds you need to register with the state um, as a charitable organization where you're going to, where you're going to raise funds. Um, and that oftentimes is missed. People don't realize that, that if you are doing that in another state and then they have their own requirements, which may require them to do, to do an audit. So if you, if you're raising funds outside of your, your own state, it's important for you to do your due diligence to look at what the requirements are. So if if you don't have to have one, why would you want to do it? 
<laughs> it's a boatload of work. <laughs> well, it, it it is, and it, you know, it creates a little anxiety, and you know, there's a cost there, and so uh, you know, there are a couple of reasons that you might want to consider doing one, even if you don't have to. Um, and first one, we kind of talked about that a little bit is the the more sophisticated your donors are, the more it might make sense to have an audit done. And an audit will help your donors understand how your money is being spent. So if if you have donors, whether they're individual donors or corporate or foundations that you are looking to go to for funds uh, or that are already donors and you're looking to, to increase their giving, um, it's, it's really something, whether it's a full-blown audit or not, but at least one of the three things that Tim talked about, uh, you really should be considering that as part of that process. Um, Second is to make sure you have proper controls and reporting in place that minimizes the risk for fraud. And I think when it comes to fraud, you know, nobody, no executive director ever says, oh, well, you know, I think this is going to happen to us, right? I mean, nobody ever says that. Everybody says, well, that's never going to happen to us. I know who our accountant is and I trust them and that's never going to happen. And, you know, and, and it probably won't. But like a lot of things, when it comes to liability, you know, the, the the issues of controls and reporting and fraud are never an issue until they're an issue. And then they're a huge issue. And so it, this is especially a problem in smaller organizations. I know our, our organization, the it's me and our director of finance, and those are the only two people that handle the, the checks that come in. And sometimes it's just one of us just because we're a small organization and, you know, we don't have an office with 14 people in there that can have, you know, all of this, this, uh, oh, what do they call that, Tim, the, of handling the money, the, um, there's an accounting term for that. I can't think of it right now, but anyway, so we get dinged on that every year in our audit. It's like, you know, we need to have more people involved in, in this process. And it's like, there isn't anybody else. It's just us. Uh, and I, there's, I, for a while, I worked for a, a, a larger organization. It was a $20 million organization. And, and, you know, the office was there. It was, you know, back in the old days, uh, which that's pre-COVID. And, you know, there's 20 people in the office. And when they opened the cash, there were three people at the table. They did it in the middle of the room. And there were people all around. And, I mean, that was fabulous. That was like best case scenario. So, you know, you can, you can only do what you can do but you need to have the best controls in place that you can. I really appreciate each year when we go through the audit, we, there are a series of questions that talk about the potential of fraud, you know, asking several, several scenarios. And it's always really helpful to go back and say, okay, is that a possibility? Do we need to change something? Do we need to, to do something different? Um, and so it's a good process to go through. Even if you feel like I, I've got everything under control, everything's fine. Just having, uh, another set of eyes and asking the questions has been so helpful for us as we as we go through the audit. Well, and it also I think it's also a protection of because there is and I uh, you and I actually I don't think we've ever talked about this, but there are times in our organization where the numbers don't match up. You know, there's 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 money that was went to another account than we thought it would be, or there's there's a check that didn't get deposited or, you know, there was a, there was a time where um, I can't remember which organization I was with, but I had the check on top of the um, 
of the, I was making a copy of it and I had it on top of the copy machine lid and I opened the lid after the check fell down behind the copier and we lost the, and I lost the check and I didn't know that I'd lost the check. So it didn't go to the bank, but the, the reports that showed that it had been receded in, it appeared on that one, but not on the, not on the deposit list. So they came to me and said, where's the check? And it was like, uh, and anyway, the, but because of the of the controls that were in place, it wasn't a question of did you take the money. It was a question of you were the last one to see the check. Where you know where is it? And so anyway, so I think it's also a protection for you and anybody who's involved in the in the uh, accounting, financial money handling process. If you have the right systems in place, it's a protection for you and everybody else that's involved in that. Uh, okay, uh, number three. Uh, it could be, if you have some type of a financial review, it's a good way to help you make decisions about your organization and how you're handling your money. There are uh, multiple times during the year where something comes up and the phrase is said, I don't know, let's call the auditor. And it, it, it's it's a way to get, they are the financial experts. I am a fundraising expert. Tim, you're an expert in, in operations, neither one of us are financial experts. And so just having somebody to call to say, Hey, this has come up. How do you want us to handle this? What's your, I, I talked to our auditor a couple months ago. We had a question on allocating program management. So we have an operations uh, director and we were questioning how we were allocating that expense over multiple programs. And so I called the auditor and I said, how, how should we deal with this? And he gave me three different scenarios, said, here's three different options, pick one, and that'll be fine. Well, by doing it that way, that saved us all kinds of time and effort when it came time to do our review and, and our audit. And so it just it's a resource that you can use throughout the year to help you make better decisions about your organization. Our, our auditor oftentimes will send us updates too on what's happening in terms of requirements for nonprofits, changes in in congress or changes in laws that are happening you know things they're talking about so that really happens uh, really is helpful and also what you said if you have questions specific questions about situations they're often very happy to give their opinion on what to do well i know one of the big questions nathan has to do with how much does this cost and sometimes it feels like is it really worth making making the effort <laughs> to do this if it's not required, kind of a general, uh, in my experience of working for different size organizations and kind of talking to other executive directors, if you're under 500,000, uh, so let's say, I don't know, you know, two fifty to 500, somewhere in that range, you're looking based on where you're located. Obviously if you're in New York city, it's going to be way more than, you know, if you're in rural, uh, the Midwest, uh, but about 1200 to 4,000, in that in that five hundred thousand and under is kind of a, a general ballpark. Again, the the compilation is the is the least amount. The review would be the middle, and the audit would be the the most. Um, and then as you're as you're pushing past five hundred into seven fifty, you know you're going to be in that six to seven range. And when you're hitting pushing over a million, you know you're probably pushing seven to ten grand, depending on where you're located. So that's kind of a general ballpark. So it's not cheap, but it's something to make sure you get in your budget. 
again, if you're required, you don't have a choice. <laughs> so right. you need to figure out right. how does that fit it into the budget going forward. Well, but uh, it, yeah, and if you're, on? if you're a if you're a two hundred fifty thousand dollar organization and and you know you've got to spend twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars on on uh, on an audit or a review, whatever it is. And if that helps you get one gift that you might not have gotten otherwise, you know, you could, that's a pretty good, pretty quick return on your money. So I definitely worth it. Uh, if you're really looking to, to increase your fundraising and, and run your organization in a more efficient manner. So we're assuming rightly or wrongly that some of you that are listening to this podcast may be on the early days of, of leading your organization, maybe within the first few years. And it's possible that you've hit that that place where all at once, oh my gosh, I have to do an audit this year. So, what are my first steps? How do I how do I go forward? What what should I do? Um, and I've I've stepped into a couple organizations where that's happened, where we've hit hit the place where it's like now we got we not now have to select auditors. So how do we how do we take a step to do that? Um, and there's several ways Nathan and I could can share some of the ways that we've we've seen. Um, I think first, first of all, just kind of ask around, check with other organizations, see, see who they're using, find out who are the auditors in town or in in your in your space even that uh, might be available to to do an audit. So check around and see what others are using. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's probably the most effective. And you know, as a as a nonprofit leader. One of the issues as an industry that we face is we're just we're so siloed. You know, we don't spend a lot of time interacting with other organizations at our local level. So this would be a you know, great opportunity to reach out to some different people and different organizations. And and you know, you're not asking for trade secrets or or uh, you know, you're not asking for them to give you their best uh, fundraising names. Uh, so it's just an easy way to to reach out and find and if you call four or five different people and, and they are using the same firm, that's kind of a good indicator that that might work for you too. Well, you also talked about Nathan that sometimes like chamber events or other gatherings are a good place to, to maybe find that out. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, and now that we're coming out of COVID, you know, that the chamber before and after our events and, you know, different type of networking groups are starting to get back together again and starting to get out and connect, which is a good thing just on a human uh, on a human nature, you know, we are social people. And so it's just, it's good, just good for the soul to get out and be with people. Uh, but it's also an opportunity to ask around again. And, and I think at, at, at a chamber event or at a networking event, there is, and you're, it, when you're asking for referrals, make sure it's an organization that's doing nonprofit, uh, audits, you know, a for-profit audit, it's not the same as a nonprofit audit. It, there is, there are some crossovers, obviously, but just because a, a organization or company is, is, you know, the number one audit company in town, if they don't do nonprofits, I would, I would find somebody who really understands nonprofits and, and uh, as a, as a part of their expertise, just, you know, it's like going to a lawyer. If you, if you get a speeding ticket, you're not going to go to a real estate attorney or if you have a tax problem, you're not going to go to a real estate attorney to handle your tax problem with the IRS. So you're looking for specialists, not generalists. It could be also that another another place to check is to ask your board members. They may have connections in the community who maybe they know people who are they know firms. And so that would be another good, good resource. 
Um, I think it's really important, depending on what kind of space you're in, like, um, but, but we found when we have to choose an auditor, we oftentimes go out and ask for two or three proposals. We look at, we look for two or three different firms and kind of see what, it, what do they provide? What's the reputation? What, you know, how long cost you put some of those together and ask for them to put a proposal to you. You know, there's other services they can provide in that. So, um, you know, if you if you are required to do a 990, most most nonprofits are a 990 is the IRS tax form for nonprofits that needs to be completed each year. Like our auditors will do that for us as we provide the information to them. So that's a that's an added added service that they provide. So, you know, find out what they what they offer, what they cost, and check out two or three before you make a decision. Yeah, and we our auditor does our 990s, and they also handle our state registrations for us. As we said at the beginning of the of the podcast, we know this isn't the most exciting topic to talk about, but it is important, especially if you are moving to a place where an audit is required. And so we hope that you'll take some time to 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 think about things that we've shared, to check our, to check firms in your area, to talk to other nonprofits and see how they handle this, and uh, see what's right for you, uh, for your organization as you as you move forward. Nathan, any last last words? No, I th- I think it's um, it's just it's an I don't want to call it a necessary evil. That's a little melodramatic, but it is it is something. Uh, if you're a startup and you know, you, you're, you've fundraised $15,000 last year, don't worry about it. Uh, but once you cross over that hundred, 125, 150, you know, you're getting some momentum, you're getting people that are writing you checks on a regular basis, starting to do some intentional fundraising. Yeah. This is, then you really should be looking at this as a way to just help your donors know that you're spending the money the way you're supposed to be spending it and that you are doing the best you can to financially run your operation as efficiently and effectively as you can. Well, thanks for joining us again for the practice of nonprofit leadership. And if you have questions, if there is something that we've said that uh, you'd like to talk more about or you have further questions, We'd love for you to contact us. You can reach us at nonprofitleader.online. That's nonprofitleader.online. You can leave us a message there, or you can send an email to us as our emails are always in the show notes. And if you would take the time to leave us a review on whatever platform that you're listening to this, we would really appreciate it. We'd like to connect with more people and be a help to those nonprofit leaders scattered around the U.S. and, in our case, even around the world. Thanks for listening to us and for joining us today. And that's it. Until next time.